Puja Day is the annual celebration of the Buddhists. The Buddhists hold on the full moon day of the third lunar month, which is February, in the Buddhist countries. In Thailand, the ceremony of Maga Puja is performed to emphasize the significance of the Maga month. It was the period to which, in which the Buddha constituted the main code of his instructions and which is universally regarded as the heart of Buddhist teachings. Historical events preceding this period must be reviewed briefly. So it says, The Buddha delivered his first discourse to the five ascetics, namely Anya Kundanya, Vapa, Bhadiya, Mahanama, and Asaji, who when they heard the enlightened one were ordained becoming the first, the five noble disciples. Buddha then made a retreat at Isipatana in the deer park near Benares. And there he ordained Yasa, the son of an influential family who had approached the Buddha and had received instructions on the discourse concerning the fivefold principles, namely generosity, morality, happy life, renunciation, and benefit of ordination. He took as his refuge the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Thus he entered into the monastic life, and the order now increased to sixty in number. The Buddha urged the monks to journey in different directions and places to disseminate the law of the truth. Hence the first Buddhist mission began. The teaching of the awakened one has since spread to many people in many lands. The Buddha himself went to preach at uh, Rajagaha, the capital of Magadha state, and there, these three, three ascetics, regarded as great teachers, became um, Buddhist monks, together with their disciples, the reported number being 1,000. Bimbisara, the king of that state, became a Buddhist, taking the Triple Gem as his spiritual guide and supporting the Buddha's mission. The king gave as a residence for the Buddha and his order, a quiet and suitable place called Veluwana Vihara, the bamboo grove. And this was the first Buddhist temple. Here many thousands of the citizens became Buddhists. During the period when the Buddha was staying in Veluwana Vihara, 
a certain incident took place on the full moon day of the third lunar month. The bhikkhus, about 1,250 in number, who had been ordained by the Buddha himself and since then engaged in missionary activities, returned without prior notice to the great teacher to question him further about his teachings. Thus took place the great assembly of all the holy ones of Velawana Vihara where Buddha delivered the discourse on the main code of his teaching, which can be summarized thus. So this is the summarization of the Ovada Padimoka. Uh, patience, that is to say forbearance, is considered the supreme endeavor. All the Buddhas speak of Nibbana as the highest goal. A Buddha, a bhikkhu who still does harm and violence to others is not a recluse at all. Do no evil, do whatever is good, purify the mind. This is the teaching of the Buddhas. Non-abuse, harmlessness, restraint through the disciplinary code. This is the teaching of all the Buddhas. So it's quite... uh, when you think of it as 2,545 years ago, and uh, so this is uh, taking place this evening, the same, this sense of uh, celebration and uh, reflection on this historical event. It gives a, a strong sense of lineage in the, this monastic form that it it has uh, its roots so uh, way back in the past for most of us two thousand five hundred and forty five years is an enormous amount of time. I wonder what was happening here at Amravati two thousand five hundred forty five years ago. <laughs> Probably wasn't even called Hertfordshire then. <laughs> or England. <laughs> so history is like memory, isn't it? We remember. Things seem to hold in the memory. Uh, so we do inherit memories from the past. But then the, the, purpose of all this is to be fully present. So this do good, refrain from doing evil. This is a advice of how to live uh, in the human realm. This idea of harmlessness uh, in not intentionally doing evil or abusing or harming other creatures is uh, something that of course, is like a the uh, way of living in the world, living on this planet in this body, so that our relationship to the conditioned realm is not one of exploitation or violence or abuse. So that, of course, those those kind of mental states when we when we act on violent feelings or abuse or harm. Uh, that 
create such a strong memory in the in, that those kind of memories are very hard to to uh, transcend the more violent abusive uh harmful that we harmful acts that we do of course these are what we remember then just in your own experience or have, you know when you think of the the not very skillful acts or things that you've said in the past or heedless acts or even evil uh, deliberate intentional evil acts done these are uh, when we meditate they they still arise in our consciousness so in terms of living uh, in the human form on this planet the the advice is to do good, to do what is uh, kind and generous, helpful, considerate, um, and refraining from acts and physical action and speech that uh, is causes division, causes harm to oneself and to others. You know, like the Buddhist monasticism is very much this whole sense of harmlessness, the idea of um, bhikkhus, bhikkhunis, uh, keeping precepts is to is to really uh, uh, commit oneself to a way of living uh, on this at this time in which uh, we make a strong commitment to harmlessness and non-violence. And to uh, say the, the morality of uh, just taking responsibility to to live in a way that uh, we don't create uh, a lot of regret and guilt and remorse in our in our lives. They are just uh, celibacy, for example, is. I look back uh, all these years, uh, 36 years of celibacy. Is uh, the result is a, a quite a very peaceful mind because the the just uh, being celibate for one thing is is um, not indulging in uh, the excitement of uh, sexual activities. So and those are those are strong memories. One's uh, sexual activities one tends to remember very easily and those tend to stimulate or excite the consciousness. So, you know, so much of the modern um, present day films, you know, see these films on international flights and very explicit sex scenes and they are very exciting actually. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, and violent, these blockbuster films, you know, even committed to non-violence, I still find, uh, you know, blockbuster films still very exciting and entertaining where, you know, all about war and, and, uh, violence. So, it's recognizing that the realm we're living in is, is, uh, you know, it's a, a realm where we can act on, we can commit 
violent acts and we can live, uh, you know, seek excitement in, in an endless uh, pursuit of sexual pleasure or violent actions. And I know some people that do that, you know, it's not, not an uncommon thing to do. So then, say, monasticism is, is uh, our commitment to uh, making a strong commitment to refrain from uh, intently seeking those kind of activities. And then what is the result? You know, if you, the point is it's not, not some kind of moralistic judgment and, and uh, Puritan, puritanical approach that we're teaching, but reflect on the result of, of your life. You know, how you're living your life here as a samana. <clears throat> Purify the mind. And this is a, this of course is a, what meditation is about when we're, the, the various meditation techniques and, and, uh, Anapanasati and uh, Satipatthana and all these are around, you can call it a kind of purification. It's interesting, just the subject of consciousness, how this, uh, you know, the consciousness is what we're all experiencing right now. This is a common, ex- this is the, the bonding experience that we all have at this moment. That which we're all experiencing Right at this very moment is consciousness. So, just reflecting on that, that consciousness is is about the the formed realm. In this realm, with with forms, with creatures, with conditions in it, uh, that uh, that we experience consciousness through form. So, when we contemplate the four elements, the earth, fire, water, and air. And then you add two more, space and consciousness. Uh, so that is the, the kind of totality of, of experience in terms of an individual human being. So in terms of the, the physical conditions of the human body, it's the and the material world that we live in is is this uh, combinations of these various four elements combined with space and consciousness. So we can, as we contemplate the four elements, say just in in one's own body, you know, practices of of reflecting on the earth, fire, water, and air. As, as they exist in terms of the physical body that we experience at this present moment. The way of looking at, at the body that is not looking at it as a, through a personal, uh, identity. <clears throat> or through, uh, through identifying with it, uh, uh, as belonging to oneself. There is usually, you, they, there is this, the earth element, the solid element, the liquid element, the heat element, 
are the air element. Space, or sometimes call it ether, is that we are experiencing space now. Space and consciousness. And these, of course, space and consciousness have, uh, have no boundary. They're infinite. So consciousness then is, is then, uh, what we're using in meditation. We're, we're using consciousness to, uh, contemplate the way things are. So that's why I keep pointing to, uh, rather, where we, we get very confused because we, we, consciousness is something we can't really get hold of, uh, in the way that we can, uh, see earth, fire, water, and air, or conditions of the mind, emotions, the Vedana or the Sanya Sankara, and that these are, uh, because we're conscious, we can actually be aware of Thoughts or emotions or the body as, as it, as it exists, as it, uh, as it manifests in this present moment. Sometimes we think of consciousness as in a very limited way, just through the eyes, the ears, and in terms of sensory consciousness. Because then consciousness is very much uh, limited to uh, perceiving through the senses. But when we begin to recognize, realize consciousness non-attached to the senses, that's what uh, I point to when I uh, refer to this sound of silence. So this is like that when you begin to recognize or notice that, then that there is consciousness unattached. It's consciousness, but it's, it's as you uh, sustain awareness with that sound of silence, then you can reflect. You begin to get perspective on your thoughts, emotions, feelings, sense activities, sense experiences that arise in consciousness in the present. So the, the importance of recognizing, realizing that the, this is something really uh, wonderful that we can do. You know, the whole point of the Samana life really is uh, is is aimed at this kind of realization. Of course, the obstructions come with our commitment to the delusions that we create. And, of course, that, the strong sense of a self, a separate self, identity with the body has, has been a strong sense of oneself or emotional habits, thoughts and feelings. And so we, we create ourselves into consciousness, uh, and the, so that we have this, this kind of personality that, uh, tends to, that we, we, we tend to identify with and, and let it constantly kind of, 
push us around. So this uh, encouragement to rest, to relax into this awareness, say with awareness, this sense of awakening, tension, then the consciousness, as we as we begin to recognize the sound of silence, from this point, if you sustain attention, just rest in this state of open receptivity, not attached to the ideas of it. Like some of you attach the idea of getting the sound of silence and and attaining something with it, or making, you know, you, you keep creating some false illusions around it. Uh, that's, uh, that's not... Uh, that's not it. We're not, we're not trying to, to make anything out of it, but to be able to, uh, fully open to this present moment in a way that is unattached, non-attachment. And of course this recognition of Unattachment of non-attachment is is something you you know through your in, through awareness rather than through description. All I can say is don't attach to anything or let go of everything, things like this. But then then people attach and say we shouldn't be attached to anything, and then they they attach the idea of non-attachment. Because we're so committed to thinking and trying to figure everything out. We want to figure it out, know it all, in terms of the, the idea of it, the theory of it, the technique, the party line, the Theravadan approach, and on and on like this, we, we become very uh, bound and Bind, we bind ourselves to uh, the conditions, even though the teaching is about letting go or non-attachment. So this is where the encouragement is retreat to, to, you know, to see really observe attachment. You know, trust yourself in this awareness. So not not an attack even on attachment holding to a view we shouldn't be attached, but recognizing attachments like this. So I've, in the early days, I used to really practice attaching to things quite intentionally, just so I know what attachment is like, rather than having some idea I shouldn't be attached to, to anything, and then, and then, uh, in some desperate way, always trying to, to, uh, be detached or non-attached and only ended up fooling myself because the basic delusion was never penetrated. Still think, I'm somebody who should, who's attached and I shouldn't be. That's an attachment, isn't it? I am this monk who has all these attachments, these hang-ups and uh, their obstructions and I shouldn't be attached to them. I've got to get rid of them, let go of them. And the attachment to that is you end up fooling yourself and endlessly kind of disappointing yourself because, uh, you, you know, you're, you, you can't do it that way. It doesn't work. So this is, this is why I emphasize this, 
this pure state of consciousness. Now, just take it for granted. You know, don't don't try to figure out whether, you know, think about it very much. You know, don't don't try to theorize or figure or spend a lot of time analyzing it. Learn to just do it. You know, the, the contact this this resonating sound or vibration. Just learning to to stay with it just for the count of five or practice so that you get used to it. They begin to, to appreciate this. And it gives you, if you, if you really, uh, cultivate it, it gives you this space where the, the, you're beginning to, to, uh, recognize or be conscious without being attached. So that the conditions that arise in consciousness can be seen in the in perspective of arising, ceasing. Also, pure consciousness, when we, when we let go when the, and just abide in, in pure consciousness, unattacked, then that's also the experience of love, unconditioned love. Because pure consciousness accepts everything. You know, it is not, it's not a, a divisive function. It doesn't have preferences of any sort. It accepts everything, every condition for what it is. The bad, the good, the demons, anything. You know, so when you, uh, when, when you begin to trust in it, then the metta pavana really becomes alive because it's not just spreading good thoughts about and, and altruistic ideas, but it's actually very practical and very real. But in terms of love, what, what do we mean by this? You know, because it's a, uh, a word that has, can be used in so many different ways. And of course, to, to many people, love is, is the ultimate attachment. You know, when you love somebody, you, 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 you want to possess them. You become very possessive. And, uh, oftentimes what passes for love in, in the, in the modern, uh, consciousness is, is a, is a very strong attachment to another person or something something or some creature. But in terms of, you know, if you really want to apply this word to that which accepts, like in say metta, loving kindness, is love that, that is unattached, it is not attached, it's not preferring. It accepts everything. Everything belongs. And so, when you begin to trust in this awareness, in this conscious moment that is infinite, then everything belongs in it. You know, and from the perspective of this, this particular being here, then whatever arises in this consciousness, whether it's from, through the senses, from outside as they impinge on consciousness or from inside, from the 
emotional conditions or the the um, physical conditions that uh, become conscious in this present moment. Then this this sense of love, acceptance, non-judgment. It accepts everything that you're thinking, feeling, experiencing. It allows everything to be what it is. Uh, and it's not, it's not trying to, uh, when, when we don't allow things to be with God, then we're always uh, trying to get something we don't have or get rid of something we have that we don't want. So then the desire uh, realm begins to take us over. We begin attached to desire and we endlessly struggle, fight, contend, resist, hold on. Uh, and that is the realm of dukkha, the dukkha that we create out of ignorance. So in terms of purifying the mind, then this is, is, uh, it's really, consciousness is pure, so you don't need to purify it. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> so you begin to, to disidentify, not, not hold to the views, the seeming, the, the, the conventional, uh, views of yourself as being this person, this way, this, this condition, this body. It begins to drop away. It doesn't compute anymore. It doesn't make any, not the way things really are. But in terms of meditation, you know, as you trust in the awareness, then certain things come on into consciousness. Some of them are, you know, worries, resentments, um, self-consciousness, memories of various kinds, uh, all kinds of bright ideas or uh, whatever. Then we, we, uh, our relationship to them is, is accepting embracing, allowing. Then in terms of action and speech, the, you know, the good we act on, or we can act on, and the, the bad, the evil, we don't. But we accept both. Not non-critical. So that is, is to me, what love is. It's, it's non-critical. And so that applies most to what arises in, in my consciousness, say just the, my own karma, the, the memories, the, the kind of emotions, feelings, and, and that that arise in the moment. And behind it all is this sound of silence. You know, it's like a, this enormous, vast, infinite space that allows things to be what they are because everything belongs. 
the conditions, of course, their natures to arise and cease. It's the way it is. So that's, but we don't demand that they be otherwise. <laughs> you know, we're not trying to, to ask the impossible or, or complain because we'd like to hold on to the good stuff and, and completely annihilate the bad. So in, in this way, you know, when we, we recognize then our true nature then is, is pure. You know, when we, when we begin to realize and fully trust and appreciate, this is, this is, this is the, the this is real. This is not something I create or imagine. Not theoretical, abstract, not an idea. It's reality. Consciousness is very real. It's not a, it's not something you create in a dream or through some, some uh, theory you have about consciousness. Is it? This is consciousness right now. Anyone here not conscious? So that's very, you know, that's a fact. That's just the way it is. <laughs> uh, then the, the conditions that we might be experiencing, you know, can be all different. One person can be happy, the other sad, the other bored, confused, fired, depressed, worrying about the future, regretting the past, and all and all like this. So who knows, all the, the various... Uh, uh, conditions that are going on in in all of all of us at this moment, you know. Only you know what's going on in in your in in, in your particular experience now. Whatever it is, you know, good or bad, or you like it or don't want it or don't want it. It's the way it is. So then you begin to really your relationship to it now is through. This purity of being rather than identity with the conditions, which you can never purify the conditions. You can't make yourself a pure person or, you know, a personality that's absolutely pure. It's an impossibility. You know, it's just, that's not where purity is. Though, you know, when you try to, to purify yourself as a person, it's a, it's a hopeless task. Like trying to polish a brick, isn't it? Make it into a mirror. It's trying to, demanding the impossible. And of course, you're only going to fail and be terribly disappointed in, <laughs> if you're trying to seek purity uh, through purifying yourself as a person. So this is where this awakening, isn't it? Awaken. See, that's, that's the original purity. You never, you know, in other words, you've always been pure. You've never, ever, for one moment, been impure. You can't, now even if you're a serial killer, uh, 
if you're, you know, the worst demon in the universe, you still don't, you're still pure. The purity is never, is impossible to, uh, to destroy. So the problem lies not in, in uh, losing or, you know, becoming impure, but our attachment to our, the delusions that we create in our minds. Like a demon, it's so attached to being a demon that, uh, it forgets the, the, the original purity that's present here and now. So, in, when, if you're strongly identified with being a demon, then you tend to act like that. You know, you do and say demonic things. So we can, we can become, you know, we, we, we ordain as monks and nuns. So then we attach to being monks and nuns. So we become, we act like monks and nuns. You know, if we're just acting the role and identifying with the conditions, then we become, you know, these kind of boring people and kind of self-righteous and and think they're purer than other people and things like this. So you get into monkishness. So we can do it too. We can we can grasp the the conditions and and become monks and nuns accordingly. But that's not the purpose, is it? The convention is not pointing to itself as an end in itself. It's a skillful means. It's expedient means. So on this Manka Puja day, this, uh, this emphasis on Owadapatimoka. Patience, that is to say, forbearance is considered the supreme endeavor. And of course, this is, uh, uh, this was my practice the first few years in living with Lung Cha. Patience. And uh, that was not an easy practice for me because I was, uh, I'm, I'm very, you know, impulsive, impatient as a person. So, uh, forbearance, learning to, to endure, to bear with what I don't like and don't want. So, so this was, uh, Pocha said, uh, in the beginning he said, Tomato, your practice here is patience. <laughs> and, uh, and it certainly put it on a very practical level of, you know, of, of really, uh, learning to, to just, you know, bear with things. You know, it's a very frustrating when you, you know, in, when you can't understand the language and you're, you know, you're, you're in a, in a very, um, 
you have all these limitations placed on behavior with, that you've never had before. That brings up so much, so much uh, angst, rebelliousness, frustration, irritation. So all those stories that that most of you have read, you know, about not wanting to wash the teacher's feet and and uh, thinking wearing a sangati on Bindabhat is just a bunch of rubbish and uh, all the opinions I had, you know. Uh, actually, by patiently, by developing patience, not just sitting and kind of gritting your teeth, but there was always reflection going on. You know, was was I was I just you know trying to prove something to myself that I can take this life? You know, I want to be a commando and I've got to prove myself. You know, to be a forest monk and and uh, you know prove I've got what it takes. And I'm gonna you know or there was a certain amount of that, you know, but but there's also reflection, you know, of observing what what uh, how much suffering I'd create, you know, just like observing that that going out and and helping to wash Lung Pacha's feet really that wasn't suffering. That was, I mean, when I really got into it, I quite liked doing it. It's a lovely thing to do. And uh, but before, when I was thinking, I'm not going to do that. Twenty monks washing one man's feet is stupid. I'm not going to be stupid like they are. And you're here stewing in this awful kind of fulminating with with bitterness and anger and criticism. I create that. I'm making that. I create that. That's what. That what I I can't blame that on anybody. So that I begin to separate the what actually what I've been asked to do and my own uh, uh, resentment and rebelliousness. That's the suffering I create. And to know the difference, you know, like like in in um, monastic life, uh, in. Uh, both in Thailand and here in England, the the uh, just the the way we hold it, you know, the suffering we create around it, begin to notice, you know, and but allowing your suffering to be conscious, you know, so that we're not trying to you got know, to say you've got to just put up with it and and you've got to be patient and grasp the idea of patience and forbearance and and tell you know. And, and hold to the view that we should be patient and forbear. But th- this is a, a suggestion to the mind. You know, learning to to stay with something, to get past, to be able to stay with something till you see what what actually you're doing with it. What's actually, you know, how you hold it, how what you expect and demand, or what you don't like, or what you assume from the from the convention you're in. So if you don't have patience, then you'll never see that. You just, you know, you, when the inspiration's gone, and, uh, you know, you start, you start with inspiration usually. I want to be a monk. So just sit and meditate and reach nibbana and be not harmless and non-violent, celibate, 
free myself from the defilements and and uh, and not have to get caught in that mess out there, all that confusion, silliness of modern life, and so that you feel like, oh, this is inspiring life, and then then the inspiration drops, you know, because they can't sustain inspiration. Especially because usually based on delusion. <laughs> so then, so then, uh, then you, then you, you don't like it anymore. You see, it's a, you know, you start looking around. I used to look at the monks that I lived with in Wat Bapong. That monk, you know, look how many pansas, how many vasas he's got. Uh, look at him when he eats. Uh, Monk, they used to, in the rainy season, everything mildews and turns moldy and the smell of some of those monks is terrible. <laughs> how could, how could you possibly be, uh, you know, anybody uh, doing anything if you smell so badly? <laughs> 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 and then just uh, you know the cultural gap you know how easy it is to misinterpret everything we've got an American uh, cultural conditioning it's so easy to get it all wrong in Thailand you know so you 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 know you mistake everything you make assumptions you you create endless problems because you don't understand you're judging it from an American mindset. Same here, when I first came to England, judging the British through an American mindset. I, I got it all wrong. <laughs> and this is, this is, so, but if, if you're patient, you begin to see through these things. But patience then is the supreme endeavor. Because uh, this realm is basically, you know, it's a, it's, it's nature's restlessness. Everything's changing. You're constantly being irritated in, in the human form since the time you were born till the time you die. You're, this is a relentless experience of irritation. Just contemplate, you know, just, you know, every day how irritating, how, how much irritation there is in every moment. Things just impinging. And, uh, it's, the, the, it's too windy today. And then, uh, that's irritating, isn't it? it? It hits you. You feel it irritates the senses. Or they, you know, if too many people come or too many children on a Sunday scream and run around the salads. And that, those are just, those are quite obvious irritations. But just the irritation of, of, of having, uh, eyes, Ears, nose, tongue, and body, and then a mind with a with memories in it, with attachments, views, and opinions. How we irritate consciousness endlessly. The, uh, this irritation is is, uh, is you know is, it makes us very restless. This is like the wind. It's like a restless experience. So patience is is learning to begin to recognize. Uh, 
begin to really appreciate the stillness, you begin to know the still point, then you can bear the irritation. You can forbear. You can accept. You can allow the wind to be the way it is. The emotions you're having to be the way they are. The uh, fears, desires, greed, hatred, and delusion. The body. Uh, the way other people are. We can allow them all. We can allow all conditioned phenomena to be the way it is. Because we're no longer just caught in resisting and attaching and and trying to, you know, get hold of the good stuff and get rid of the bad stuff. Because when we do that, we keep, we just, you know, increase the irritation. We, we endlessly irritate the irritations. That's why it's uh, the, the dukkha or the suffering. The, the more you resist and control, the more um, suffering you create. So that's uh, a reflection for this evening. And then the uh, formal retreat will begin on the 11th of uh, March, 11th to the 24th. Formal, go back to community formal retreat. And uh, again, my appreciations of the lay support group. I only hear very good things about you all. And the food is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Would you like to stay on after the retreat? <laughs> you don't have to ordain or anything. <laughs> for the Manga Pujas to commemorating in the cloister so we can all meet here again at, at about 10 o'clock